What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Budtender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca, reporting from sunny California. It is a beautiful Saturday morning. I guess I might as well tell you the date. It's March 13th. We have a new moon happening today you guys we have a new moon in what the fuck is it in i don't remember it's dreamy it's ethereal i guess it's a new moon in pisces no that doesn't necessarily mean that either way it's a great time for manifesting for putting goals and dreams and desires out into the stratosphere out into the universe to manifest i wonder if you guys are into that i wonder how many listeners are like oh yeah of course duh manifestations and how many are like what or i wonder if the majority of you guys are like yeah i get it because weed you know I'm excited because our guest today is my friend Red, Red Rodriguez, and he he actually has a company right now that is developing chocolate, shrooms, all types of mushrooms, honestly, because there's so many um, different health benefits from those that don't contain psilocybin as well. But yeah, he has this really cool company called Mirage Chocolates, and we're going to talk about that. He used to be the buyer and director of vendor relations for the Cannabis Cafe, yeah, we just found ourselves in multiple settings together and then eventually, you know, just became friends. So yeah, so I'm excited for you guys to hear his story. He worked for the shop that inspired the Netflix series Disjointed. I'm gonna leave you guys so we can get into the episode. I hope this new moon energy brings so many magical blessings your way. And in those blessings, of course, you know I'm talking about cannabis. This episode of That Budtender Podcast is brought to you by Rogue Pack. Rogue Pack is a design-forward brand of cannabis carriers, tools, and accessories for those who value aesthetics and ritual in equal measure. Use the promo code BUDTENDER for a 20% off discount. Limit one use per customer. This applies to all products. There's no minimum. It's available to everyone in the U.S. and Canada. Join our pack and raise your ritual. I told myself I could smoke this blunt if I could smoke the blunt by recording. I'm not being shady. I just want to make sure that it sounds okay. So I want you to say something. That's why I'm staring at you. All right. We're doing good here now. This is the official start of the recording session. (laughs) We're smoking the Drew Martins. It's, I believe, a ginger root, lemon, and some other herb. They're these blended pre-rolls. It's really nice. They're a botanical blended pre-roll, super low dose. I mean, the design and the packaging on this is so beautiful. I would love to know your first experience with cannabis. I I don't think we've ever actually talked about it, your history with her. 
Oh man, yeah, this is kind of not the best story, but essentially I ditched school in about seventh grade to hang out with some freshmen and they were like, yo, it's 420, we're gonna go smoke. Did you know what they were even talking about when they invited you? Yeah, because, I mean, I knew weed. Weed has been in my home forever, but um, kind of knew what weed was. And when these people said, let's go smoke some weed, I'm like, all right, let's go. Where did you grow up? In uh, the Coachella Valley in Cathedral City. That's close to Palm Springs. What was that like? That's such an extreme environment. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I was born in East LA and moved out there when I was like five. And yeah, I mean, it's a desert, you know, so it was hot as fuck. In the summer, it'd be like 120, you know, and people actually lived there. It was also a really slow paced town. So there was a lot of older people, like just, it's like a retirement community like Palm Springs, La Quinta, and those deserts. There's a lot of people out there retired or who have second homes there and who go there in the winter. Now the winters there are beautiful. Do you think it's crazy how that area transforms like around Coachella? Kind of like a culture shock for everyone. Now all of a sudden all these kids are coming in, they're doing drugs. I remember hearing about Coachella probably like in middle school I think I remember Madonna and Gorillaz were there, and that's what had caught my attention. But yeah, you know, Palm Springs came to life around Coachella, and I mean, everybody in the desert, that was our highlight of, like, the year, you know, and we always found ourselves, like, sharing a bracelet, trying to get in there pre-super strict days, but um, yeah, it was... Very fun to see. Sick. I mean, people from all over the world travel to be a part of it. So that's pretty cool. That's your home. In the Coachella Valley, they adopted pre-medicinal laws very quickly. And there was a lot of dispensaries there in the in the valley being for being so small. And that's kind of where I got my foot into the door and started working for a dispensary called Desert Care Solutions and helped them open up their second store and managed that store for a really long time. Then that store became Palm Springs Organica, which is still licensed now. And ever since then, uh, moved out to LA to kind of stay in the space and worked for a lot of different trap shops and um, also did other stuff outside of cannabis. Like I worked for the city of Los Angeles. I worked for SAG. Um, so I came out to Los Angeles to like kind of establish like a little career in something. It wasn't necessarily cannabis because I was still having a lot of like woes with dispensaries being coming and going. Um, so I explored other options, but then found myself back uh, like the year before it got legal and I started working for Dr. Dina and her store Oz. And after it got cannabis got legalized, they were one of the first to offer recreational cannabis and like we had lines wrapped around the door. The show Weeds was inspired by her, you know, and uh, she has like a lot of celebrity ties. So that store was definitely always filled with celebrities and the shop ended up becoming the muse for the show Disjointed. It's pretty crazy her, I don't know if it's her celebrity presence or her presence in within and among celebrities, but she definitely has a different status for 
a a woman in cannabis i mean she's been around forever i think she talks about like her first time smoking weed was with snoop dogg it's just like random shit that like people who grow up out here get to be a part of what was that like being under her working for her was super dope i saw that store turn into a netflix co-branded store and she was a consultant on that show and helped write the script and the store that we worked, I worked at ended up becoming a Netflix store and there was even Netflix strains for their original shows. Really? So that always has been very inspiring to me and uh, that actually inspired me to want to do some of the things that I, I'm doing now, you know, and always using creativity to kind of connect the dots and seeing something cool to life happen like that was always inspiring to me. So uh, it was so dope working with her and uh, Jason Beck. How old were you when you started bud tending? I was 19. Wow. Yeah, 19 or t- about to turn 20, actually. My girlfriends and I, we talk about this all the time, how like kind of just wild things were when it was medical and the irony that all these regulations and all these things came into play when it became recreational and it's supposed to be like just fun, quote unquote. So it's like weird I'm glad we had it, but you would think the regulations would have been when it was medical and then things loosen up when it's recreational and like the thousand milligram brownies and all those things like, but like, it's just the irony of that. When we would get weed, it would be either in mason jars or in turkey bags, you know, and there was no brand behind it. There was a Sharpie with the strain written on it and then it said sativa or it would say an s or hybrid for you know and Mm -hmm. um and that's how cannabis went into dispensaries you know and now there's a whole track and trace system that's uh very close to how we grow strawberries and potatoes you know where Mm -hmm. you can track the batch you know and and all of that you know from where it was grown to who who picked it up and where they took it and yeah there's definitely are some things that are definitely good like safe access is definitely something cool but uh we've come a long way yeah (laughs) you know and um even like back then there was always like people making brands and like there was always people being creative you know Mm -hmm. very much like how brands are now but it was more kind of like on the local scale and you got stuff that was like locally made or stuff that like from la you know uh, and and it was cool like seeing brands back then i remember like mary's edibles and uh increda edibles or um and there were like other like little brands that i really really liked did you ever have the fortune cookies from hash house yes yeah so i love hash house and man they're actually one of the old school and they're still kicking now are they where yes. can i find them um i'll I think they're called Super Chill now. Oh, shit. Um, but, okay. But um, they have these vegan gummies. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely send you their Instagram link. But I remember Please. those. All very strong edibles. People actually were... Those were kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will admit I'm feeling the live resin edible that we oh, yeah? ate before this. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So we had... It was a Kiva... Um, what is it? Please explain to us. It's a uh, Kiva's Lost Farm. So Kiva has edibles and usually it's like chocolates. Mm-hmm. And then they have the Camino gummies. Um, they have the mints, you yeah. know, and all of those have been like really low dose edibles. Mm-hmm. But they recently came out with 
another company called Lost Farm, and they launched with a gummy line, which was all live resin and strain specific. And when you taste into the gummies, uh, they taste like live resin. And I mean, we all know how what the importance between live resin and distillate is when you smoke it. Um, so when you ingest it, the tie is equally the same, you know? So it was kind of cool to see them come out with the a live resin edibles. But what we ate is another new product they came out with, which is super exciting. And it's a Starburst-like product. And we had a blueberry live resin, quote unquote, starburst. <laughs> it's fruit chew. It's no, it's literally a starburst. <laughs> like they nailed it. Yeah, they they rocked it, and it's a live resin blue dream. So good. So good, delicious. I normally wouldn't feel ten milligrams off an edible, and I'm definitely I'm definitely feeling this. In addition to everything else we've smoked. Um, I am curious because you started out as a bud tender. You, we met when you were bud tending at Atrium and you had helped open that shop. I was working as a brand ambassador for Kaliva. I thought your head tattoo was cool. I was <laughs> like, he's probably pretty chill. And so we would chat when I would go and do demos. And then we both ended up at the cafe where now you had a position as a buyer. So I'm curious to know what that transition was like for you. Any summary or any experiences at the cafe that you would like to share? Because I'm sure people are wondering like, yo, like you're opening the first cannabis cafe in the country. Your job is literally just to buy weed and to buy weed products. Like that's the dream job for so many people. So. Yeah, speak on that, please. Yeah, no, definitely. We definitely met at Atrium in Woodland Hills, you know, and I was Shout one of the... Shout out to Woodland Hills. Right, right. And um, we... No, but I do we were... love Woodland Hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super quiet up there, right? But um, we launched, and it was only literally a handful of us, and um, together with the director of operations, you know, I worked close with him and built out... Um, everything that we did there, you know, Atrium was a really unique store and a super big and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I already had known a lot of brands. So within like the first couple months, you know, there at Atrium, I was able to go from being a butt tender, you know, to bringing, you know, some brands and relationships that I had, you know, from pre previous dispensary jobs to the table and ended up contributing to their menu and being their, uh, like buyer or director of vendor relations, you know, and I handled a lot of the relationships with brands after they went on board um, and uh, worked really close with their buying team. We would like schedule pads, promotional events, you know, and talk about like how the product should behave inside of the store mm -hmm. and got really creative with a lot of brands. You know, I think Papa and Barkley, we got we teamed up with them and we were the first dispensaries to op offer in-store massages with their product that had no THC in it. Love those. I definitely snuck one of those in while I was there for my demo. And that was all just me working really close with uh, their marketing team and saying, hey, take advantage of our beautiful space. You know, this is how you, this is how you should behave inside of a dispensary, you know, that's mm. beautiful like this and you should engage. And that's how you win the consumer, yeah. you know, and by giving them an experience, you know, so... 
that was super dope working close with the atrium team and then i went off to do some really cool stuff with uh like a little marketing company right after that and mm -hmm. they threw some of uh la's best um cannabis events and um oh, yeah. with high-end creatives yeah and worked really close with them and the girls there are rock stars and they're all badasses and during that time also i uh, started doing other stuff in the space and started consulting like for brands and helping them get into stores or doing introductions or whatever um but yeah i think when right before the cafe i got hired on to a cbd company like a bioscience company that specialized in like product development and we would work close with people who wanted to develop a brand but didn't have much resources in, um, in the industry and who had just like maybe like a concept, you know, and um, that was a lot of fun. And I actually helped and developed Problem, a local L.A. rapper, his pro uh, CBD product, which is Green Hour Coffee and help conceptualize and bring that product to life and it has taken on a breath of its own and problem himself is really active in the community and made a couple mixtapes out inspired nice. by the coffee and um it's actually done pretty well for itself you know and then uh, shortly after that you know uh got hired on to curate the cannabis cafe's menu and that was a whole wild ride in itself you know and it literally went from um hey like what's up we're gonna open in a couple weeks to like get in here we need a menu you know <laughs> and um it was the probably the best experience that i ever had because in the last like eight years between that after had starting into the cannabis industry and it being so much fun and um engaging with growers and seeing weed out of turkey bags and it being fire and then it putting it on my shelf you know and actually being involved in the community with dispensaries um back in prop 215 days you know when it was medicinal and we did care about patients you know a lot of that got lost with the uh, transition into recreational and um I, the cannabis industry lots its lost its allure to me mm. um and with regulation and you know how like it was not set up for success for brands and for like the small mm. people and that's who i had engaged with my whole cannabis experience you know and it was hard to like still be in love with this industry mm. and um just with malpractice and like owners the sensory owners being shady and then uh, still regulations like being raided you know all of that stuff is like super scary and it was it's it's hard being in this industry you know and going to partake in the cannabis cafe and being able to see like families outside of me and my friends and my family partaking cannabis and like how that was such a momentous uh, time in history and just like a big win for the small man um it was just beautiful to see and like in the middle of LA, West Hollywood, God be it, in the middle of social, land of socialites, like, you actually saw families, multi-generationals, mm -hmm. you know, you saw moms, children with their kid, and then their mom, her mom, you know, and it was just such a beautiful th thing to see couples engage with cannabis, um, and even with the menu that I had made, you know, 
uh, people flipping through it and engaging and like pointing it out and like looking up a brand because we tagged their IG. All of that was so beautiful to me because I got to see people fall in love with cannabis in a different way or I got to see people's relationship with cannabis and my relationship with cannabis had become so dull. You know, and I smoke and I'm like heady and like I smoke, I smoke at a competitive rate, you know, but, um, and like, you know, events and I do all these events and I'm like, yo, like the industry is cool, but like, you know, like where's, where's like the real change or whatever. And the cannabis cafe gave to that, you know, and, um, I also had badass coworkers, you know, and I worked with badass, a team, you know, like. Uh, I worked with you in several environments and got to hang out with you, but mm-hmm. seeing you and your element at the cafe was a different type of vibe that I got to see from you. So uh-huh. it was even beautiful to see that, you yeah. know, and uh, I was so grateful for that experience. And yeah. Yeah, I I think it pushed everyone to really want to excel at what they were doing because it was such a cool, new, fun project. And I do think we most of us just felt really lucky to be a part of it and it was such a badass team like we always say that even though COVID happened and you know we had to close the doors and that was super unfortunate there was a bigger reason for all of us to meet and to be a part of each other's lives because I see people now like outside of it where it's a year later and People are still collaborating and hanging out and like, it's just really cool to see that, that it brought so many new relationships It I think it deepened other ones because people did come up kind of like in cliques and different groups from different shops and different walks of life. And we all just got to mingle. I think we were, we did well as like the spirit and the heart of the cafe as like the, yeah, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, the success of the cafe definitely gave, you know, to... Uh, the people, the flower host and uh, the the weed itself, just that excitement, just being there and being a, a place where anybody was welcome to light up and no matter what color you were, mm-hmm. you know, no, no matter how old you were. And it was, it was cool to see that, you know. What would you say is one of your favorite moments? What would you say was one of the more challenging moments at the cafe or maybe more one of the more like what the fuck moments? I remember there was a mermaid once at the cafe. (laughs) That was a what the fuck, yeah. Yeah, we did have a mermaid. Was that on Halloween? No. No? It wasn't even Halloween. Oh man. It was was just a random ass mermaid one day. Oh man, yeah, that was great. I think one of the most exciting moments... Uh, I think one of the most exciting things about the cafe, more specifically about my role there, was that I actually got to engage with cannabis and uh, not like any other dispensary where a buyer gets to see the product and um, they have to go home. I actually got to partake in cannabis and Mm. actually get to try it before, you know, anything, you know, and I thought that that was amazing and when I did have business meetings on behalf of a brand you know I was able to roll up and partake Mm. with them and talk about you know why Mm. they wanted to be in the cafe or why I wanted them to be in the cafe and that transported me back to the traditional days where Mm. you know you meet a, a grower and he has this like amazing weed and he's like 
let's try it. And you're like, all right, let's go to my back office. Right. You know, and that was, that was like the ritual, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was able to experience that again. Um, and I think legally, yeah, legally a hundred percent, you know, and, um, and then order bomb ass food right after. Like my desk was the best. Like, Mm. I mean, you remember seeing me with my laptop and a bong right next to me all the time. (laughs) It would be, it would be a laptop, a bong, and then either like some bomb ass burger or like the shakshuka. Shakshuka was my favorite. And I still make it to this day. I, and that was probably the first time I ever had shakshuken. It's such a really good dish that you can literally have anytime. Yes, it's so, so good. Yeah, so I'm like constantly making it. If you don't know about shakshuka, get into it. You'll thank us later. So you're really into branding. You're really into, like you said, like conceptualizing an idea and seeing it through and the events and things like that. Where... Do you see the industry going now post-COVID, like, for events that used to be very much like, hey, we just met, let's share this joint. Like, how do you think the industry is going to come back from that? Because it's a big part of the culture and the lore. It's what keeps us staying in it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, even just, uh, like, not being in the cannabis space, it's festival culture, concert culture. Like mm-hmm. I smoked my first joint at a concert. You know what I'm saying? And it's like experiencing uh, something that's like culturally based, like music or art. And you know, cannabis is a part of that too. You know, so yeah. What was the question? I forgot. <laughs> oh, the future of cannabis. Like yeah. How, like, how do you think it's gonna adapt and evolve? All things considered. Yeah, I mean. We'll see. That's actually one thing good about cannabis, you know. We're stoners. We have that, like, stoner ingenuity. We'll make it happen, you know. And um, I hate to kind of say put it into those terms, but uh, this industry is really good at pivoting and the people inside of it. Um, And I think also us as, like, millennials and the people who strive to do stuff like that, like, we put that first. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to be entertained and we want to be there. Basically, if there's a will, there's a way. And we'll figure it out. And But even after COVID, you know, it's going to be exciting. You know, the cafe was a restaurant. And uh, alongside everyone who got those licenses, like, there was a spa, right? Yeah, Aeon Botanica. Yeah, I want to try that. Yeah, I want to try that too. So, like, and I'm like... Oh, what's up with the hotel? Like, and what's next? Like, what's up with all these, like, the edible lounge? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just the future of cannabis consumption and just, like, cannabis retail. So, when I think about cannabis retail and, like, I think about, like, grocery stores or cell phone because, like, we build cannabis into a budget, Mm. you know, and we Mm -hmm. work it into our life. Yes. So, when you shop at a dispensary, it's like you shop at a grocery store. Yes. You know, and it's very similar in that fact. So, what's next? You know, the cafe was a great example of, like, what the step forward from that and would be in its hospitality. And if you just Mm -hmm. think about what the access to alcohol is and kind of what the similarities between cannabis and alcohol on the like social level where mm-hmm. cannabis is like a better su- social lubricant mm-hmm. you know than alcohol yeah um there should be environments where we can smoke it you know and also not entirely legal to smoke in public 
you know what i'm saying so like you can totally get it you know but there isn't many places where you can smoke you know so that's gonna be exciting to see and yeah um and as far as like branding and yeah i I definitely have a strong interest in in branding and i'm not the best creatively and can like make a design myself but i love and have an eye for it and um california and la has shown um an um, a bunch of beautiful brands and mm-hmm. the packaging out here is crazy. And yeah. now that these other markets are emerging, like New York, possibly it's going to be even doper to see yeah. some stuff come out, you know, cause New York is its own trendsetter in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be really exciting to see some of the new cannabis branding and stuff like that. I'm excited actually. Yeah. You just like jazzed me up about it. I'm like, yeah, what is New York going to do? Yeah, like New York going to turn up. <laughs> Oh my God, so much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can we talk about mushrooms? I would love to talk about mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, my. (laughs) No, please open it, open it. He's crinkling, crankling, (laughs) trying to get into this Lost Farm packaging. The Starburst, you guys. Like, Mm, mm, if mm. you are able to find these at a shop, highly, highly recommend. The blueberry is delicious. It's the blue dream as of right now. Delicious, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mushrooms. So, the first time I did shrooms where it really, really stuck and it hit and it was the experience, it was in Joshua Tree. So, it was magical and it was beautiful. And I remember feeling like, oh, this is me at my purest form. This is me uh, what it should feel like always, like happy, free, unbothered. What has your experience been with uh, mushrooms? I think my first experiences were mushrooms were very kind of like normal where you know, I saw things like were wavy mm-hmm. and it was a heavy body feeling. Um, and I never really started paying attention to mushrooms. Um, but in the last like three years, um, I have started doing mushrooms and uh, have been making myself like teas and was doing like honey and just boiling water and eating the mushrooms. I wasn't actually mm-hmm. eating them. Um Because it started causing me too much anxiety and I would get really overwhelmed. I would have a great high, but it was, I was scared of that like four seconds of like being like, whoo, like, whoo, this is lit, you know? And then you're good, you know? Um, So I started microdosing and I started getting into microdosing and weighing out my dose, you know, and experimenting with myself and testing my tolerance at a given time. And I found that, like, my dose was, like, 1.2 at a time for me to have, like, a really good, like, really hyphenated experience, like, Mm -hmm. highlight, you know. And um, in that, me and my friend, my best friend, also um, started doing the same. And we started paying attention to microdosing and started learning a lot by mushrooms and Mm -hmm. started discovering that mushrooms are so much like cannabis. Mm -hmm. And the huge similarities because there's different types of strains um, and there's different like effects effects to those strains. Very much like sativa hybrid and indica Mm. where an indica, some strains will give you more of a body high and there's more sativa euphoric 
um, more stimulating strains. And we were like, we fell in love with it, you know? And yeah. it's like falling in love with cannabis again. Like, I felt like it was like we were doing a lot of discovery and um, we put our heads together and we kind of saw that, you know, even the medicinal form of the psychedelic realm outside of just mushrooms and DMT and LSD mm-hmm. um, are taking a huge turn for medicinal. And um, that to us being in the cannabis industry was like, like light bulb. Yeah. You know, we were like, yo, it's Prop 215 all over again. And we put our heads together and um, started just ideating. And we started tripping a lot. And we ended up um, starting a brand called Mirage Chocolates. And it's inspired by the Coachella Valley. And we launched with these like little small chocolates called Desiertos. And they're microdose chocolates. And what makes us different is that we're strain specific and we really care about what type of strain goes into those chocolates. And we test those chocolates for for potency and effect. And then we hand dose each uh, chocolate. And we have a couple doses. We have a 0.25 and a half gram dose. And we're currently working on a peanut butter cup which will be a macro dose mm. um, because very much like micro dosing, which is good um, medicinally. So is macro dosing, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's journey is different with cannabis and with uh, mushrooms, but we want to be able to offer uh, something for everybody, you know, and yeah. um, it's been a passion project of mine that has done pretty good for itself. And, you know, we're excited to launch a tea line soon um, and are working on some other cool stuff as well. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. You know, I'm I want to get in on it because I'm I'm in on it. I like <laughs> it. It is. It's it's exciting. It's new. It's healing in so many ways, either micro or macro. And I I enjoy being on the cusp of like. The brink of you know a new chapter for society because I really feel like it's going to be that once these regulate these laws are dropped and people are able to go into psychedelic assisted therapies like I really feel like it's a game changer for the collective mind because there's a lot of healing we all need to do you know there's all these wellness factors that mushrooms have that i believe mirage also wants to incorporate yeah those mushrooms uh have amazing health benefits um and like lion's mane is another mushroom too that has been helped to improve cognitive function um it's great for like focus and uh like alleviates uh, or increases your uh, energy um and that's actually we're launching a chocolate line for that too yeah um and a tea line for it as well yeah i keep seeing that everywhere lion's mane i need to get in on that check them out mirage (laughs) (laughs) let's see how would you say cannabis has changed your life for the better um that's a good question I've always been fascinated with cannabis even before it was an industry and you know I've been able to take 
you know, kind of my passion for it, you know, and understand a lot more about, you know, its benefits outside um, of its like fun stuff on the recreational side. It's been cool that like now it has been uh, something that I use in my lifestyle that actually is something that now is part of my career. And, and it's, and because of cannabis and where it is now, um, and my like love for it, I've been able to, you know, work in an industry where now it's not so much work, you know, and, um, a lot of the stuff that I do is purposely driven because I love cannabis, you know, and it's a heavy part of my lifestyle. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I feel like before I got into the cannabis industry, I was kind of floating around and had a lot of different interests and I still do, but like this has been such an anchor for me professionally and it really did become a career um, intentionally, but still kind of shocked at the whole thing and it like working out um, and still like using it as a benchmark and like foundation for new projects like this podcast so it's it's kind of wild like I see so many people thriving and it is we're all thriving from cannabis so that's pretty dope did you not enjoy the papaya smoothie I made you I don't know if I liked it <laughs> I mean you got me on camera girl you got me on microphone sis. yes I'm not sure if I like papaya in just general <laughs> I like papaya punch, like the strain, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm big on papaya. I like papaya punch the strain as well, so I can't even hate on that. That's so funny. I was like, I'm going to make some papaya smoothies. Well, we call them lechosa in DR, and it's my favorite thing. He just smelled it. He just smelled it and like <laughs> put it back down and made taste it. it again. I'm just going to double check. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I liked it. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so sorry. No, I can't even hate. You brought so many gifts to me today. <laughs> like You could shit on my papaya smoothie all you want. Oh, trust me. Okay, so we're going to move into the next segment, which is the re-up. So that, this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask you kind of spitfire questions. See if you can keep up. And <laughs> and we're going to also talk about some products that like you love and you would re-up on and you, you know, put your stamp of approval on. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay with the grill down. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, okay, got it. Favorite word for cannabis. Cannabis or motivation. Favorite stoner movie of all time? Dazed and Confused. <laughs> Which you are right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> favorite cannabis brands and products at the moment? Um, one of my favorite cannabis brands is A Golden State and Lumpies and Kiva's Lost Farm. I've also uh, incorporated a new question into the segment and it's Mary Fuck Kill. <laughs> so flower edible concentrate mary fuck kill mary flower fuck concentrate kill edibles 
Damn. Okay, I respect that. Dopest smoke sesh you've experienced so far? Dopest smoke sesh. Mm. Like a, a sesh? Like, yeah, like you smoked with somebody. Oh, yeah? You're doing something and you're like, yeah, that was fucking dope. Damn, I don't know. You smoke a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm putting you on the spot. I remember one time I smoked like eight joints at once at the Cannabis Cafe and that was a pretty good dope smoke to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason for no all. reason and like those like things like oh and they were all connected all at once where it's almost like um oh my god what is that called like a like menorah Mora, yeah menorah oh my god it was like a menorah yes <laughs> um that's hilarious you were that meme where it's like no one no one at all and then it's like <laughs> me, me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly oh my gosh so, when you get to heaven, what strain will be on your top shelf? Asian Fantasy wow. would probably be on my top shelf. And a strain called Oaksterdam, which are strains that I fell in love with, like, back in the old days and have yet to see again. I never heard of either. Fantasy is, like, the sister of Green Crack. It's so good. Shit. I haven't seen Green Crack in a minute either, have you? No. That's actually one of my favorite strains, too. You really... Uh, do you fuck with, like, a train wreck, too? Like, do you just love those super cerebral... Yeah. yeah. I remember smoking with you... Is it Quest by Source? Oh, yeah. That sativa is fire. That sativa is so good. Yeah, they grow that strain so well. Mm-hmm. Love it. My last segment is Call Your Plug. So basically, this is your moment to plug anything that you're working on, any way people can find you and follow up and see what you're doing. Yeah, actually, right now, I been working with Grav, the bong company, and we've been building a THC product inside of the cannabis space, which would be an all-glass pre-roll pack. And we're launching it in the next couple months, and it's super unique, and it's, like, super unique, and that's, like, these, like, little glass joints. Mm. Um, and we'll have a reserve line, which will be all like fire product and then we have a collaboration with the cure company that's coming out soon love the cure company and they're gonna have a cure lotto all glass pre-roll pack um which will be a collaboration between grav and the cure company which is a legacy company here in the la space and yeah they're they're a pretty bad company and their weed is so fire their weed is so fire. I love the Cure Company. That's so exciting. So they're going to be prepackaged with their flower. Yum. Mm -hmm. And Grav is such a great company, too. Um, their pieces are super fun. There's mm -hmm. that Gandalf one. Yep. Dude, they're just classics. Yeah, Grav has been around for a long time, for 16 years. You know, they're yeah. one of the um, kind of the biggest cannabis brands that aren't like cannabis brands you know and yeah. when you think about like g-pen and like puffco and raw you know grab is definitely up there in the glass world you know and mm -hmm. they're all over the united states and in like uh, 15 different countries um mm -hmm. and they have done a really good job you know and um it's like two owners and they've been best friends since kindergarten Aww. um and they're like 
they love cannabis, you know, mm-hmm. and they have this affinity with the plant and definitely have um, big plans for its future. And it's been a, it's been amazing working with them. And this project has been super fun and we're super excited to launch super soon. That's so awesome. I'm so excited to see what you guys come out with. Um, shout out to Grab. They're great. You have to give us your Instagram, babe. You have to tell us. Oh, yeah. My Instagram is Hustles Trees. So that's my cannabis Instagram. And I'm also Here's Red. <laughs> Ooh, giving it all away. Right, right. Just to end it, like, I mean, I really haven't seen you in a minute. How have you been? Like, I'm are, good. You're good? You're chilling? Yeah. It's, I mean, girl, we live in a post-apocalyptic world right now. <laughs> the new season of America's Lit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? GameStop crashed a market. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's it's a lot, you know. And But I've been super good, you know, and um, just keeping my head up high and staying productive and that's always best, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Very healthy. I am so grateful. Thank you so much for coming out here, crashing on my couch and chilling and <laughs> bringing me so many goodies. Yes, enjoy. Oh, love you. That's the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Bud Tender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies.